Welcome to the OSS Show of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development Podcasts. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guest today is Gesina Twidger. She's from the Institute of Rural Studies, Johann Heinrich von Thunen Institute in Germany. She recently published an article entitled Growing Beyond the Niche. All machines link productions and networking practices of small rural food businesses. It has recently been published in Entrepreneurship and Regional Development, a journal edited by Taylor and Francis. Gesina, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Vincent, for having me. <laughs> Can you tell us what is the origin of your paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic? And what is the question you aim to answer? Um, like this paper is based on an applied research project that was directed to foster, among other things, to, to foster networking and growth of small businesses in, in peripheral rural areas. And well, the program ran from like 2015 until 2019. So I had the chance to follow the development of these businesses for and the program for quite some time. And yeah, of course, that was just really nice for gathering information and gathering material. And um, yeah, there was several small or like micro businesses um, from a region in the northeast of Germany, and they received public funding to pretty much level up their production. They produce craft foods or food specialities. And so for this, this is like a rather common program or a rather common approach in, in rural development, um, I would say. Um, that is programs trying to like to induce networking and to induce growth of small food businesses in peripheral areas. And then in the literature, there is um, like already quite a few hints that um, these programs do not always work out that well. So there's evidence in the literature that small rural craft food businesses simply, yeah, sometimes they just don't have or they do not have an inclination to grow. Um, and also networking sometimes proves really difficult. And what I just thought was really interesting and like special about this program was that um, we're actually there were two things I thought uh, that are interesting. Um, first, some of these small businesses from the program um, had the intention to cooperate with local food industry. So they were actually looking for partners like across their small small um, niche, so to say. And uh, they were interested in using the large food processing machines, um, um, well, first to experiment and then also to eventually level up their craft food production. And then from the interviews that are conducted with these small craft food businesses and also with the food processing industry, um, I learned that cooperation turned out to be extremely difficult and it didn't work out in the way that was planned. And that was mainly due to the setup and the functioning of the machines. That is simply like the food processing machines from industry cannot easily be programmed or calibrated to, um, yeah, to meet the um, requirements of the small um, quantities of craft food production. Simple as that. Um, and the second thing I thought was interesting was really um, to see how important these machines were Um, for the small craft food businesses in general. So uh, both re with regards to networking and also in the development of the businesses themselves. 
for example, the craft food businesses, they used money from the funding program to have processing machines built to their specific niche purpose. Um, yeah, what do I mean by a niche, <laughs> niche purpose or um, niche specific purpose? Like in general, these businesses would need machines that are able to um, process rather small quantities, but of a large variety of different produce. So like the best example, probably there was a roasting machine that you can use to roast coffee beans, but you can also roast a whole lot of different ingredients and they, this machine can process them all in, a, in, in the same qualities, I'd say. Um, yeah, and I should probably also admit that um, like I had an, an inclination, so to say, for the agency of matter before, like um, um, I did my PhD on gendered practices in the agency of matter in, in rural housing. So um, yeah, I'd say that was a certain predisposition to follow this importance of the machines. Um, yeah, so basically I applied a practice perspective to these issues of rural development. Um, and um, yeah, it was just great to see, or it was just great experience that practice perspectives have just recently received um, yeah, quite or more attention in entrepreneurship studies and economic geography. Just a good coincidence. What are the, the main contributions of your paper? Well, I hope uh, to have contributed like a little bit <laughs> to this blossoming entrepreneurship best practice literature by highlighting the agency of matter and, and the role that materiality plays as a nexus of practices on the one hand. And on the other hand, I think or I hope <laughs> the paper contributes to our understanding of, of entrepreneuring as a really heterogeneous social practice. That is, I, I highlight that there are at least group-specific modes of entrepreneurship practices. And um, yeah, I think it would be very fruitful to do more like, comparative case studies to understand how maybe different practices bundle up to produce entrepreneuring um, in different sectors or in different regions. Like, for example, my in results indicate that growth, in parentheses, <laughs> like business growth, is um, pretty much the unintended result of the way these small businesses network and produce and how these networking and producing practices hang together uh, in this niche realm. What was for you the, the main theoretical or maybe methodological challenge or challenges in addressing such a question? What I actually, what I found quite um, challenging and um, very, yeah, fruitful and very interesting was uh, to explain actually my methods and my methodology to the reviewers and then, of course, to the readers. Um, because my impression is that there are many, uh, there, there might be um, some country or language specific differences when it comes to practice approaches. So my impression was that here in the Entrepreneurship and Regional Development Journal, articles with a practice theory background or like in general reconstructive interpretative case studies, they almost exclusively rely on um, ethnomethodology and ethnographies. So they're all about the, the immersion in the field, the close observation and the idea of becoming part of the uh, part of the scene of becoming knowledgeable. And in this context, interviews and the practice enabling knowledge um, play a lesser role. That, that is my impression. Whereas my research, um, it is also ethnography, <laughs> but it has, it really puts an emphasis on the, on the narrative interviews. 
So, or um, I use so-called go-along interviews. So I would, for example, follow the craft food entrepreneurs while they're producing the product. So observation is important, but not in the way it is, I think, for ethnomethodology. And um, yeah, in contrast, the interpretation of my interviews was really important and really fine-grained. Um, so there I was focusing on the reconstruction of practice enabling knowledge, which then can be categorized into, you know, general understandings or teleoffective structures like building blocks of, of practices. And um, I also use the method which is really popular in, in Germany, like the documentary method, which is really widely used for practice approaches here, <laughs> but obviously not um, in an international context. So that was, um, yeah, I, I learned a lot <laughs> during the review process, I'd say, yeah. During your research journey, what was your biggest surprise or the, the most counterintuitive results? Mm, I thought it was really interesting and maybe also surprising to see how people were like really interested and really open for cooperation in the first place. As I said before, these small craft food businesses, they wanted to cooperate with industry and also industry was really interested to, to do so. Um, And then like from the literature on networking, especially on informal networking, um, you get the idea of this very homogenous networks that people predominantly network with those who are similar to themselves. And I mean, also in my case study, in the end, this, this turned out to be true, but in the beginning, people were really interested in networking with people beyond their niche or outside the niche for, for good reasons. And then when you look at the practices of production, um, that is, These, these complex bundles of practices of producing craft food and, and producing industrialized processed food. And then when you look at the practices, you realize that this is much more the incompatibility of practices entangled with machines, which actually hampers cooperation. And it's not so much personal inclination or anything else that is preventing cooperation, but it's really practices and the machines that are a fundamental, that are A strong nexus within these practices. What are the main implications of your work for entrepreneurs, managers, policymakers, or practitioners in general? Well, in, in general, as practice research, of course, has the intention to provide really detailed and really fine-grained insight into what people actually do when they do entrepreneuring. Um, but of course, I would hope that this... Um, Feel that these insights will eventually translate into better policies to foster entrepreneurship in rural areas. So I think, like based on my research, there um, is the implication for better policy advice to to provide funding in a way that is like more in a way um, respectful, so to say, of certain niche defining practices of these craft food businesses. Um, that is, and for example, this is a their interpretation of growth. Like they do not want to produce more of a certain kind, but rather different products and a better quality. And yeah, I think this mindset just really aligns nicely with, with challenges to our growth-oriented development paradigm in, in general. Like with regard to climate change, we have to change the way how we think about growth, that is quantitative growth, as a route to, to economic or rural regional development. Thanks a lot, Gizina, for 
participating to our show and presenting your paper entitled Growing Beyond the Niche, Our Mission's Link Production and Networking Practices of Small Rural Food Businesses. All our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship-ird.com and on the main podcast platforms. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye-bye.